Hi, this is Naya, founder of Frau Vies and Culturefy, and you're listening to Codeless. What I've found really impactful in the no-code space is building relationships with people. So I am originally from New York, and I currently live in Romania. I basically came here for vacation and ended up staying. I was like, no one understands what I do. And my friend's like, well, why aren't you on like no code on Twitter? And we failed. I think a, a major reason was because we were non-technical and we couldn't respond to a user feedback. Before I got into the no code space, I was so stuck on getting VC and moving to SF. I had this whole vision that every other founder has. Don't expect results, experience the process. Welcome to episode 15. Well, actually, the first part of episode 15, because this one comes in two parts. This jam session takes place with five makers taking part in the 100 Days of No Code Challenge, which started on Twitter. Wait, what? You don't know what the 100 Days of No Code Challenge is? Well, it's really simple. All you have to do is three things. First, you commit to the challenge by signing up at 100daysofnocode.com. Then you publicly tweet that commitment. And then lastly, for every day for the next 100 days, you spend at least 30 minutes a day doing anything related to no code and just tweet about it. You could be watching a tutorial or practicing some of your Airtable skills. It doesn't matter. There isn't a lack of worthy mentions of contributors to the no-code community, such as Ben Tossel of MakerPad, KP at Kappa, and Michael Gill, the Automation King. In spite of the devastation that is COVID-19, these makers are turning the worst of the present to the best of the future, adapting and upskilling themselves for the new normal. We're gonna get right into the interview, starting with a brief origin story from each maker. Don't forget to sign up for the 100 Days of No Code Challenge at 100daysofnocode.com. I'm also a member, and you can chat with me and all the dedicated folks in our Slack channel. Enjoy. Hi everyone, this is 100 Days of No Code. Welcome to the podcast. First of all, introduce yourself and where you're at. My name is James and I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm about four months into my no-code journey. I'm currently taking part in the 100 Days of No-Code Challenge on Twitter. And you can follow along with me there. My handle is at Jeldees, that's J-E-L-D-E-E-Z. I've been involved in the no-code community since January of 2020. Kind of fell into it by accident, but when I really realized what no code was all about like it was like a light bulb like mind blown moment of wow i'm an idea guy i can come up with 10 20 new ideas a day but i think before i found no code i didn't really believe that i was going to be able to build many or any of of the things the ideas that i had due to not having the funds or not having the time to do it. And when I realized what no code was and the ability that it might give me to build simple but powerful MVPs, 
I was hooked right away and I dove in head first and have been learning and making ever since. Let's move on to Naya. Hey, Naya, how are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. Well, I'm Naya and I've worked in tech for about 10 years now. I'm the founder of Cultrify, HR SaaS startup, and Frauvis, a community for Black women in tech. In the no-code space, I am known for my work with Namos Market, which is a fair price market for freelancers to be able to land gigs at fair pricing. It made it to front page of Product Hunt, and it was built with Balance Labs. I also built a podcast studio, Namo Studio, completely built on no-code tools. So I am originally from New York, and I currently live in Romania. I basically came here for vacation and ended up staying here. So I was part of the no-code movement before it. It was actually no code. I've always been in tech and I've had a background of IT and then coding. And then now I'm in the middle of visual dev slash being able to actually code. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. And I'm looking forward to delving into more with you. Next up is my good friend, Sharath. Hey guys, uh, this is Sharath. I'm a maker building sustainable platforms using no code tools. I've shipped and launched eight projects in the last one and a half years on Product Hunt and working on a couple of new products right now using Bubble. It's my favorite no-code tool right now. I'm passionate about startups, habits, gratitude, and happiness. So I'm from Chicago, but right now I'm living with my wife in Minneapolis. So I've been involved in this movement since 2018. And I've founded a couple of startups back in the day, and I struggled with finding technical co-founders who are the core people to build the functionality or the product. When I found no code, I felt like I don't have a dependency on anyone and I can bring my own ideas to life and ship products to make an impact on people in one or the other way. I joined, now it's called MakerPad, but it, it was once called NewCo. That's when like I took a, a one-year membership and there's a story behind that as well. I found this book called Atomic Habits. The book tells about making an identity as a change. And I sort of like did an in, intentional implementation by buying this one-year membership. And I promised myself that I'm gonna ship a product in less than a month. And I bought the membership October 18th and I shipped the product November 24th. And it went on becoming third product of the day when I launched on Product Hunt. Since then I've shipped like eight more products in 2019. And where I'm at right now is I want to become a platform maker this year, uh, meaning I want to build audiences and products for a longer impact or a larger impact. I'm super happy and super excited to be part of this group and share my knowledge. And I always believe in paying it forward. That's how people learn. So I believe in this community. Thanks, Sharath. Really appreciate you saying that. All right, Max, we're going to come straight to you now. And why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us where you're at. Hi, I'm Max, the creator of the 100 Days of No-Code Challenge. It's been designed to kickstart your no-code learning journey and come out the other side with the skills ready to build the projects you've wanted to build for far too long. I'm currently on day 36 and I'm feeling empowered to build things I would never have imagined being able to build beforehand. It would be great if you could come on this journey with me. So my name is Max. 
I'm from London and uh, a couple of years ago I tried to start an Airbnb for storage um, startup where people could rent spare space out in, in their homes to people that wanted spare space for storage. It was a really cool concept but I was one of three non-technical co-founders um, of the, the startup and we failed. I think a, a major reason was because we were non-technical and we couldn't respond to a user feedback and we couldn't like rapidly iterate our ideas, our systems and our product in response to customer need. And ever since that, I've really wanted to be able to create my own things and hone in on some form of technical skill, whether that's coding or non-coding. And initially I went down the coding rabbit hole before then luckily stumbling upon a tweet by Ben Tossel. And that was like the big sort of, as someone else said earlier, the light bulb moment of this is the one for me. I started 100 Days of No Code as a way for me to really get, get, get good at this and on day 36 as we speak. So really enjoying it, learning a lot and inspired by everyone else that's doing it. Thank you, Max. I think 100 Days of No Code is a really awesome hack to get into what you want to get into. And it's funny, there's not a better time than now with COVID-19 to actually have something to do. So with that being said, the first area I want to start on is what's been the impact of COVID-19 on 100 days of no code? And that's professionally, but then personally for you, what's been the impact on you? Sure. The last couple of days, there's definitely been like an increased momentum with the challenge. I think it is purely because people have more time to upskill themselves as no code is growing and building momentum itself as a movement. More people are becoming exposed to it and they're probably twiddling their thumbs thinking, actually, how can I spend this time effectively? For someone that like me who started this challenge really with the intention of, of getting to the 100 days myself, and hoping that a couple of others would join me. It's been really amazing to see a lot more than I initially expected. And that's really helped in a, a roundabout way, uh, a good impact for the challenge, but obviously it's a, an awful thing, um, the situation. Naya, I'm gonna come to you. And what's funny is when you were introducing yourself, you said you went to Romania for vacation. So, in the area of COVID-19, how's it affecting you? Yeah, so I have to backtrack on that one. So actually, I was supposed to be moving to Germany at, at this time. So my one-year visa is over and I'm, I'm kind of like stuck here because of the virus right now. But I'm actually fine with that because, I mean, I really love it here. I have to say that it's been a challenge. I've seen many businesses before that they thought that they couldn't go online. Now they're being forced to go online. I'm also part of MakerPad and Ben created so many different tools and resources. And I was able to take what he's built and like send it to, to people and say, hey, like I can't help out everyone, but here's a start. Ask me questions. I can help you out with card or Webflow type form. It's been really hard for, for businesses here right now. So many of the big restaurants, they were able to, change over to this new format very quickly because they have offices of engineers but all of the small mom and pop restaurants and, and businesses now have to make this shift and try to figure out a way to stay 
open basically. So it's been hard. I've seen many businesses close and some that don't understand that they can move online, but also the entrepreneurs here are all like getting together and trying to help out locally. That's really tough to hear, but I like hearing that you're making a good thing out of it being out there in Romania. Sharath, let's talk about you. I know you already hold up in Minneapolis. Honestly, like I think your story here is almost like the billionaire story where you go off to New Zealand and just like stay away. So <laughs> tell us how, how it's impacting you. Yeah, definitely both mentally and physically, like it's sort of exhausting. But again, my philosophy is like when something really dramatic happens, I always tend to see the class half full. So yeah, I'm taking advantage of forming new habits like workout habits like or like cooking habits we stop consuming all the blog content or anything whatsoever that impacts us rather than focusing on the bad part focusing on the good part and it, it's pretty productive and like you said this is the best time to do anything in no code or any new thing that sort of like compounds over the years and I, that's why i joined 100 days of no code because once we start these tiny adjustments in this moment together learning together shipping products together there might be a startup out of 100 days of no code i hope there is a possibility for that james i'm going to come to you what's been the impact on you professionally personally during this time of covid-19 and being in the challenge so I am an entrepreneur. I have uh, my own business. That's my source of income for myself and my family. And I'm not able to operate right now due to the COVID-19 crisis, unfortunately. But it is the right thing to do to keep my family safe and everybody else out there as well. So that's been difficult, but it has given me some more time to work on no-code projects, to develop some new ideas, and to spend a little bit more time on the 100 Days No-Code Challenge than I have been able to before. One of the requirements or suggestions is to spend at least 30 minutes a day doing some sort of no-code activity. And I find that I'm able to spend a little bit more than that each day. As far as no-code is concerned, last week I shipped a product, uh, a Glide app that I made for my city. I just built it myself. I didn't build it for anybody in particular, but it's a app to crowdsource which businesses are open and what their capabilities are during this time. I found it pretty difficult to know exactly which businesses are open, what their hours are, because everybody's got different hours than they normally would, because all states are probably shut down, but we've been shut down since the middle of March. But I was just finding it difficult to navigate through most businesses post on Facebook, if they're open or if they're not open what their hours are, if you can do curbside pickup, delivery, if you can come into the store or restaurant. I just wanted to make it simple for people to add businesses themselves that they know of. And Glide Apps was perfect for that because you can create a very simple, clean looking app. It's super easy for people to go in and add their own business or one of their favorite restaurants or whatever. So that's something that 100 Days of No Code has pushed me to to create and specifically that product for the situation that we're in. Naya, I want to ask you a question, particularly to your experience. So you've worked in no code for quite a while. I'd like you to expand on the different 
evolutions that you've seen come about? And where do you think a challenge like 100 Days of No Code sits in that continuum now? So I was one of those people at first when this term no code came out that I was like, what is this? I had to join MakerPad in like 2018 because Ben gave out memberships to the woman make community. And so I said, okay, let me just give this a, a, a try and see what this is um, about. And so after understanding a little bit more about what no code was, I was like, oh, I've been actually using some of these tools for years. I just didn't know there was a name to this. But basically, I got a better understanding of what no code was. And then I know that like Ben was pretty heavy on Webflow. And I remember when I first saw Webflow, I didn't see the reason to even use it. I was like, this reminds me of that old platform, Dreamweaver, but it's much prettier. Like, what's the point of me using this? So I actually tried it out. And then I was like, I don't get this. And then I just like didn't do anything with it for some time. But I remember someone asked me if I can help them out with the website and they needed it done really quickly. And so I asked some folks in MakerPad, like, did they know anything? And they said, Webflow. So I said, okay. So I gave Webflow a try finally. And I like fell in love with it. And basically now I've been making most of my websites in Webflow or Card. And yeah, it's just really funny for me because when I first heard of no code. I just didn't see the the value. And now I'm the person that's like telling all the other coders, like, you should use this. There's much value here. <laughs> okay. So you kind of went from meh to evangelist now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sharath, I wanted to uh, switch to you and ask you a question. One thing that I know you're good at, and I wanted you to talk about was in the aspect of shipping, especially the different channels where people are shipping products. Specifically, one I wanted to talk about was Product Hunt and just talk about your experience with it. And if you could give some forward thinking advice to someone that's looking to launch, what's been your experience launching on Product Hunt? So I would highly recommend people to get on Product Hunt. So I started using Product Hunt as a lurker. So I feel like the fascination and the sort of that childlike reaction brought me closer to the product from the beginning. I'm a product person, I'm a design centric guy. And I highly recommend people who are not on product hunt, hundred percent go on product hunt. When it comes to shipping, it's the best place. And before even going to ship on product hunt, I recommend like interact with the community first, interact with products, give some advice, give some feedback in that way from a lurker, you're a participant, you're in the game, but you're not playing the game. That's what I did for the first few days in product and before shipping products. So I always believe in this philosophy or Gary Vaynerchuk always says, give, 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 and then ask. Like give shout off to 10 products, which I find interesting and share my opinions on Twitter. Honestly, product and Twitter go hand in hand, getting a feedback from Twitter as well as from product and makers. Talk one-on-one. I did a lot of one-on-ones before I shipped the product. Once you launch your product, I would highly recommend people like reach out to people about your idea. Hey, this is the landing page. What do you think about it? These are the steps I'm taking. What do you think about it? So you have to do this like over and over again. I will definitely send a list which, which, which will help people. But on a high level, I would say be authentic, be more involved in community and spread the word of other product launches 
and give feedback. When you launch, reach out to people asking for feedback, not for upwards or not for the tangible results like which we expect. Like, don't say that I want to become the number one product of the day. It's all about you learning while you go. And it's a whole new ball game. Like, you know, once you are in that mindset, everything turns out to be really well because you're not expecting results because you're just experiencing the process. So another thing I, I strongly recommend makers that don't expect results, experience the process. Results will come back to you. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to have that list and we'll share it in the show notes. I want to move to you, Max. And one thing I wanted to talk about, kind of talking about where Sharath was talking about product hunts. So you've launched this challenge and you've got people participating. What are some have-to-be places on the net regarding no-code? It's, it's going to sound really obvious, but Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any place where there's like a bigger no-code scene. It's turned into my LinkedIn effectively. So it's become my like social network for, for learning and for growing. And I think the first time I came across Twitter for no code was, as I said earlier, Ben Tossel's tweet. And from there, I just went about literally following all people that, that were recommended to follow from his accounts. And then those people, I think I'm following about a thousand different no code people at the moment and it's just getting obscene my feed I don't know where all my time is going but but one of the things that I did I learned for about five months was scanning the Twitter and to learn about no code who the key players were what no code was about what was possible in the space and then I finally reached out to KP because he was someone on Twitter that was really putting out great content and was very accepting of new people into the community. From there, he really gave me the push I needed to actually show up and be seen in the community as opposed to just lurking. And then that's when like my no-code journey effectively began for the second time, essentially. And then a week later, I spoke to Sharaf and that was effectively the push. So yeah, that is the, the best place for no-code right now in terms of community. But I'd be really interested to know, James, as you're relatively new to the space, like where you're finding community in the no-code space. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback a little bit on what you said, Max, with Twitter, but I'm going to take it a step further and say Zoom and video platforms. So my no-code journey started on Twitter and talking to people on Twitter, I think before no code. I don't know if I've ever used Zoom, but someone suggested we hop on a Zoom call and I haven't looked back. So I think almost every day, every other day, I have at least one Zoom call. I try to do it with a new person each time. And then I also go back to some of the same people to continue conversations. And what I've found really impactful in the no code space is building relationships with people. I think that there's so many good people in the community that are also looking for that and they're looking to encourage each other to help each other in whatever way that they can to give feedback and just to give you positive pressure to create things to ship things and i just find that zoom makes it that much more personal you're face to face so you can see people's emotions and you can get to know them on a little bit of a deeper level and i know that KP and, and Michael Gill are 
starting something called Get Cuppa, which is getting together with people that you find interesting on Twitter and connecting for a deeper level call on Zoom or on some video platform. Yeah. We just had one more person join the call. Hello, my name is Doc Williams, founder of Brand Factor Inc., and I am a solution architect. I'm located right outside DC. That's our home base and the home of Brand Factory. First thing I wanted to ask you how you got into no code. I guess kind of by accident. I do a lot of work for companies like AppSumo and BainerX. And so the other month, no, it was the end of 2019, I was complaining that my course wasn't selling well enough. And I was like, no one understands what I do. And my friend's like, well, why aren't you on like no code on Twitter? And literally that night, because I'm up until like two or three in the morning, I saw that there was a bubble meetup in DC the same day. And I thought I missed it because I was off, but it was the next day already. I was like, oh man, it's tonight. So I just drove into DC, did the no code meetup with the bubble community. There were so many people that I didn't know this was even a label of things to do. I was like, man, I've been doing this for like six years. I just didn't know people called it this thing. And so it was just off to the races after that. If you need to find writers, you can find them on Twitter. But like, I didn't understand makers and no code movement was so much on Twitter, but I had so many good conversations. And then I found all you good people. Regarding how you came into no code in the sense of you were always doing it and then someone gave it a name and a place and then you really got deep into the pool of no code. What I'm interested to talk to you about is since you've been operating this way in a professional capacity, first of all, like what do you call your job title now and what would you call it in the realm of no code? Like what new job titles are going to be created because of no code? Oh man, I can barely get my own title. Every conference I go to, people think, nah, you shouldn't be called that. You should be called this. I get this all the time. So at the moment, I have a title called Solution Architect. I guess that works. A lot of people I see maker and all of those things. I I think it makes sense because you're doing, it doesn't matter the tool, you're just getting stuff done in no code. Sharith, what do you think? I think every company in the world in the next five years will have a no-code evangelist role who will sort of like empower employees. So what Google does is like they believe that 80% of the company's time, like the nine to five, they have to invest in Google. The 20% of time you just work on side projects. So you build something just for fun. And if it has potential, the company will fund it, maybe have a product out of it. So going back to the 20% rule, what I felt is that every company will have a no-code evangelist as a role and their responsibility is to empower people to build or use this 20% of their time working on side projects. I I want to know what Naya feels because she's into no-code for a longer time. So pretty much before I got into the no-code space, I was so stuck on getting VC and like, moving to SF and I had this whole vision that every other founder has and pretty much when I came to Romania I think that's when I got more into no code space I see that bootstrapping and no code goes kind of hand to hand is that as a founder you can build the early stages of your product with no code tools. And if you have a coding background, you can pretty much build a hybrid solution. And that's exactly what I did. So I took 
some of my programming skills and understanding how to work APIs, but also understanding how to work Zapier and how to use the no code tools to do automation. So I see that more SaaS companies might possibly switch to agencies that use no code tools to do automation. Recently, I was listening to Build Your SaaS by Justin Jackson. He interviewed someone who was trying to figure out what route she should go down. And she's pretty much using Notion to build her company of training others how to use Notion and do automations within Notion. So after listening to that episode, it kind of made me feel like I'm going to start seeing more and more people move into this space where they're using no-code tools to help businesses with their processes and their systems and with automation. I think you asked something about titles. So I don't like how the no-code community gets so stuck on titles. For years, I've been calling myself a, a IT pro and a creative technologist. I think that being called a, a creative technologist fits because a, a creative technologist can do anything and take any kind of tech and turn it into making processes better or doing automations and making them better. So that's what I'm going to stick with. I don't ever plan to change my title. I'm going to always just say IT pro and technologist. So Max, I would like to hear your take on this. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one for me because I'm, I'm only one year out of uni. So in terms of like a job, I haven't actually got one. I am on a social innovation course or program, which trains up wannabe social entrepreneurs. And you come out of that with a, a social enterprise of some form. So I guess my current title would be wannabe social entrepreneur. In terms of how that relates to no code, I'm not quite sure. But I, what I would say is that part of the reason why I want to or I'm doing this like 100 days is in the hope of by the end of the 100 days, I'll have the skills and ability that makes me employable in some way, shape or form. So just from a job opportunities point of view, I'm upskilling myself to hopefully eventually title myself as some form of no code expert from which I can hopefully be employed. James, it'd be great to like get your opinion on no code titles. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I guess right now I would consider myself a student of, of no code learning, but also like practically doing at the same time. I think that's why I love hundred days of no code because it forces you to learn, but it also pushes you to practically apply what it is that you're learning. I think going forward, like Sharath was predicting about companies having no code evangelists or people on staff, I could see companies also having like somebody that's completely dedicated to building MVPs of new products, right? So I think that's going to be something that whether it's a consultant position or advisor, somebody that comes in and works with the tech teams and companies, but from a no code perspective. Okay, that's it for this episode. Remember, this is just part one of two. So come back on Monday, April the 20th for the rest of this jam session. As is usual, 
I've put together some predictions from our guests and you can hear them after the closing credits. Please rate and review us on your favorite listening platform. It helps us get discovered by more people who want to unlock creativity and accelerate transformation. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube through the Codeless Podcast handle. Just search for the words Codeless and Podcast and you can't miss us. All music provided through the appropriate licensing and permissions. Big thanks for the music to Steph Skilly, Bobby Odsock, Rmark1313, Raising Sounds, and Prod.NoCredit. You can find more information and links in the show notes. Hi, I'm Max, the creator of the 100 Days of No Code Challenge. I like to think of No Code as a community largely of non-technical people finally being able to actually build the ideas they've had sitting in their notebooks for a very long time. For me personally, it's given me a sense of excitement and possibility that I didn't have before, as I subconsciously always knew that those notebook ideas never would come to life, but now they can. I predict that um, no-code boot camps will be a thing um, on par with how established, say, Lambda School for Coders is. I think that startups will have no-code development teams, especially when building their MVP. And lastly, I feel like no-code will help uh, breach the technology deficit. My name is James, and I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I think knowing what I know now, I look back at the last decade, and I've had several interactions with no-code tools like website builders, different widgets, and things like that. But it wasn't until I learned about the no-code movement as it is today that all the pieces fell into place. And I really realized what the true power of these tools could be when stacked together. And I also found so many amazing new tools that I had never heard of before. Over the next 10 years, I think you'll see an incredible increase in the quality and capability of no-code tools and an increase in the quality of products and companies that are built with the no-code tools. I think you're going to see a handful of unicorn companies that at the very least started out being built on no-code tools. And I'm just glad to be getting into the, the movement and learning no-code because I think it's going to be a really fun ride. Hey guys, uh, this is Sharath. I'm a maker building sustainable platforms using no-code tools. No-code was never a thing till 2018, I believe. But in my early years of making, I've been associated with it not knowingly through tools like uh, Squarespace, Strikingly, and WordPress. These early tools empowered non-technical folks to express themselves, and no-code acted as a medium to bring so many small businesses, writers, and design agencies into picture. It made a significant impact, and we're still at the beginning. I strongly believe no-code is the future. Uh, be it building side projects, making MVPs to test ideas, or just making something for fun. There used to be an elite group who do this type of stuff, right? But with no code, everyone gets a chance to build something from scratch. All you need is like a problem and a solution. No code enables and empowers people to make things, no qualifications required.